you do if you follow us not. on Instagram. That's true. That's true. We let you know on Twitter. Or Twitter. Yes. Yeah. So Camp 2016 is what we're calling our camping trip. There's going to be annual, obviously, that's why we included the year at the end of our name. Yeah. So there'll be a book Camp 2017. I don't know when, but let's just be happy. So we're doing 2017. Anyway, right now. <gasps> Maybe it'll be in another country. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so right now, we are camping. We're sitting at the campsite outside in Arapahoe National Forest. Yeah, it's not raining right now, so everybody cross your fingers that it doesn't rain for the rest of the podcast. Yeah. If it does start to rain, then there might be a weird cause. <laughs> also, we might have to go in the tent, which then will probably sound like we're getting like rained on by like bullets, not and by a rain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So not sure if you can hear the noise from the road because we are a little bit close to US 40. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Figure it out later. Anyway, we're just going to sound edit this. It's not, we're also yeah. recording on a different computer than usual, so things might sound a little bit different. We have nine, but that's like every week. Yeah, we just like to mix things up, keep it fresh for you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a new soundtrack, new ambiance every week. Anyway, welcome to Book Camp. I booked this week at Book Camp. Um, it's, we actually have multiple books. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll be hearing two re- podcasts recorded at Book Camp from yeah. here. So our book right now is The Crown's Game by Evelyn Skye, which I actually, like, am, like, just now coming down from. Yeah, Paige it's, finished this about 15 minutes ago. Yeah, so I'm still... And started it about, like, <laughs> five hours ago. Uh, yeah. Good morning. <laughs> um, um, yeah. hmm Yeah, so I'm still a little bit in a haze. I did not... Also, fun fact, this book is a series... I didn't know that until page 393 out of 400. When I was like, I don't know how they're going to wrap this up in seven pages. That's when I found out it was a series. And became a little upset. It's a duology. A duology. Do they call it that? Yes. Evelyn Sky calls it that on her website. Ugh. I don't think that's a real name. Like, I'm pretty sure. Catman's lady. <laughs> We've driven someone away from that campsite. I am talking. Oh, well. Time. We're gonna drink a bottle of wine tonight. We have to have one to finish that's in our bear box right now that we just threw in there when it started raining. Um, anyway, that's an adventure that we'll share with you all later. Anyway, okay, let's get started on the book. It's a long one and a lot happens, so we're gonna try to do it as fast as we can, but as always, we make no promises <laughs> about quickness. We're gonna just push through this. Okay, I'll start from the very beginning, then you can go and write into interesting characters. Okay, so. <laughs> The Crown's Game. I need to keep the title right in front of me, because otherwise I'll call it The Crown's Duel. Okay, so what happens, basically, is that in Russia, they have magic. This is an alternate Russia, that's like an alternate history, plus magic. Um, so there's an Imperial Enchanter, and so like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when the Imperial Enchanter dies, um, you get a new one. Unlike Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you don't just, like, call someone who already is existing, like, someone has to be born, and then, like, like go through childhood. So there's actually, like, an 18-year gap, right? Mm-hmm. Typically, there's an 18 year gap. Typically, they like call the enchanter to like begin their duties at 18. Um, although, as we'll talk about in a second, both of the enchanters in this book are 16. Yeah, so. Because Russia really needs some help, and so they're like, we're calling you in early. Right, which an 18 year gap between enchanters sounds real undesirable. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, because if you have magic, you want it all the time, I assume. Um, and I guess it's just because. This isn't, I don't know, you have to be trained for many, many years. Right, you have I to guess. be trained. Like, an infant isn't really that helpful. 
we could compare the mythology more to Buffy the Vampire Slayer and find it lacking, but we'll just move on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's only supposed to be one, right? Also, like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's a chosen one. And a chosen two. Every now and then, apparently, though, two will be called or chosen or whatever. Um, which, I don't know why it is, but sometimes it is. And it's when not there's explained. Two, yeah, it's not explained. Um, when there's two, though, and there's never a joke that there's more than two. So sometimes you just get a freak accident, I guess. But um, they call something called the Crown's Game. And this is a magical duel to the death. So the enchanters have sort of like six moves to demonstrate five. their skill. Five. Five. Five each. Five. The czar will choose a winner. Um, and if the enchanters don't kill each other in the game itself, um, the game will kill them at the end. And even if the czar doesn't choose, the game will choose. Yeah, the game So doesn't. no matter what happens, only one person will be alive. Because the enchanter pulls from like this mountain that has like a mystical power. So there's only one source for all their power. Mm-hmm. So if there's two of them, it just dilutes the power, which is why there can only be one. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay, the let's basis talk about of mythology. Enchanter 1 and Enchanter 2. So. Starting with Enchanter 2. <laughs> right? Start with Vika, right? Yeah. Oh, I guess. <laughs> I guess she is right. Enchanter 2. <laughs> I said Enchanter 2. I didn't know why she, I didn't know why she was numbering them, but that is their numbers. Um, so, our first Enchanter's name is Victoria, but she goes by Vika for the entirety of the novel. Um, and she has been raised by her father on this island off of the coast of St. Petersburg her whole life. Um, has kind of lived a rural life. Um, has been training in magic. All that jazz. Yep. And she has red hair with a black streak in it. Yeah. Which is just cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other enchanter is Nikolai. And Nikolai has been... He was orphaned. And this woman named Galinda... No. Galinda <laughs> is the name of the, the good witch from Wicked. Yeah. <laughs> What's this girl's name? Her name is Galena. Galena. Which is just one L short of, like... It looks very similar to, like, Gaena in Spanish, which means, um, like, hen. So, mm. um, anyway, so, um, he was an orphan. His, he, like, since they're enchanters, they've had magic since they're children. Um, his village didn't want him because he was freaking annoying. Um. Yeah, he's just destroying stuff. <laughs> he just, like, destroyed things. He would, like, turn the kids, other kids' food into sand. Which he recounts later as, like, kind of, like, a funny thing. And everyone's like, yeah, ha, ha. And, like, that doesn't sound funny. That doesn't sound funny. That I sounds like... Dead. Also, there was this, like, village in, like, the remote steppe. Like, right. how much food is there? Right. Um, so when Galena comes and offers to take the boy off the village's hands, they're like, yeah, bye. Um, she gives him two horses and two sheep. Yeah, something. that's a great trade. Um, so she's been raising him. She's nobility, and she's been raising him in... St. Peter's, sorry, yeah, he, she's been raising him in St. Petersburg, um, where he's gotten to know the the czar's son, so essentially like the prince of Russia, mm-hmm. um, and they've become really good friends. So, and we kind of find out more about Pasha. Pasha's pretty involved in the story, but yeah, that's pretty much the two enchanters. Yeah, Galena just rolls in town. One thing that's never explained is how she knows that this boy is there. Because Galena isn't out just, like, traipsing the step for her health, right? Yeah. 
But she somehow she know. knows. Maybe yeah. she just feels a disturbance in the forest. Yeah, so like in Star Wars. we come to find out that both Galena and uh, Sergey, Vika's um, father, father, are mentors. So they're like watchers. Going yeah. back to that slayer <laughs> analogy. Um, and so they're in charge of like raising these children and teaching them how to do magic. Them, yeah. Even though they themselves do not have magic, not certainly the they way have they have a little Vika, bit. They have a little bit. They can do like these sort of minor charms. Yeah. Um, but they're really, they're training them without being able to do the same things that they right. can do. It's really only Vika and Nikolai who can really harness all that yeah. power. Um, in this Russia, there are, there are like faith healers and just like we said, Galena and Sergey have some magic. So there's other people that can perform smaller acts of magic, but these enchanters are like able to do, and as we kind of see throughout the novel as they kind of enter into the crowns game, um, they can do like unbelievable levels of magic where other people could maybe levitate a couple feet off the ground so they don't have to walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a book where the mythology is worked out better than in some other books we've read. These vicious masks <laughs> <laughs> where you're going to try and cough. <laughs> yeah. Cough around that. I yeah. Cough <laughs> I mean, we already said on that podcast um, where it was not clear what the nature of the powers were and like just stuff like that. Here, it's a little bit better worked out, and there is clearly, they talk about, like, the faith healing. It's really the big instance of sort of non-magic magic. Yeah. Um, and they're like, no, I can't do that. That's different. Um, you're like, okay. Yeah. There's a distinction. There's some sort of actual mythology that's been confronted. And it's changed for that. So. But the general population doesn't, like, think a lot about magic. It's not like everyone's running around doing magic. Yeah. But they're also not, like, super surprised when things happen. It just seems like they have a much better connection to things or understanding that sometimes things happen that aren't explained and they're just, like, cool with that. Just like in Buffy the Vampire. (laughs) (laughs) This book is just pretty much like Russian Buffy. (laughs) The people of Sunnydale have a very high capacity for self-deception. Right. Um, So when vampires attack the school, they're just like, oh, it's a gang on PCP. (laughs) Um, that comes from season two, episode, um, School Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's a great episode. It's a really good episode. We'll come back to that later, um, on another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) DJ and Michelle watch about the vampires there. Um, (laughs) When we're done reading all the YA books, we'll start off. We'll go to that. We actually has been, like, rewatching the whole series for the last five five years. Six years. Five years. We've been out of school now for two years. No, we have not. We've been out for one year and like three months. We're like entering the sixth year. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if we started a oh podcast, my gosh, we're about like it, almost we would done be with Hogwarts. Watching. <laughs> we're almost done with like Hogwarts. If we went to Hogwarts. We would almost be finished. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's how old we are. Um, <laughs> I wasn't making any fun. <laughs> anyway, my point about that was that there's also they mentioned in the book that like the occult and stuff has been banned in Russia. Like all the books. Yeah. Pertaining to the occult had to be pulled out of one of the libraries. Right. So the only one who has it is like the Tsar's private library. That's where Pasha stumbles upon this book about Russian mysticism. But for the rest of the population, it's basically awesome. all disappeared. Except for, you know, this right. one girl who can read tea leaves, this faith healer out in the step. Right, and they Everyone have to else, kind of hide their, their stuff. And there's, yeah. there's some allusion to the fact that, like, the connection between the structure of the government in the Orthodox Church. Sorry, I think it's raining. <laughs> Do you know what you mean? 
about one drop. We'll keep you updated. <laughs> on the rain status. Um, sorry, everyone. If it's raining, I need to put my computer away. It's a big concern. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, mm-hmm. there's kind of a, a connection there between because the czar is believed to be not only the like political leader of Russia but also the religious leader. Yeah, and if you want magic, he you know the Imperial Enchanter is someone who is at the czar's command to do everything basically to help strategize to help you know I mean whatever way magic would be useful, which would be a lot in, like, all sorts of ways. But if everybody knows that the magic exists and the czar is using it, then it sort of diminishes the impact. Yeah. Because then it's not, you know, an incredible battle, victory in battle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it's an illusion. So I think they also have a vested interest in keeping it hidden right. from the population. Yeah. So that's that. Anyway, anyway. let's get into the plot. So we are going to just... We have a couple chapters where we're kind of introduced to the characters more, and we kind of see how they're being trained, but we're going to go ahead and just skip right to the opening of the crown scheme. So both um, Sergei and Galena, whose name I keep forgetting and trying to remember on the spot, um, receive letters that ask them to come to the magic mountain that we talked about briefly earlier, where like is the source of the Imperial Enchanter's magic, where they will, like, do all the paperwork, to, <laughs> essentially the magical paperwork, to uh-huh. start the games. So they do. So they do. They go there. Um, they get both VK, Vika. I was going to combine their names. <laughs> Vika and Nikolai get like branded, almost like mystical branding of two wands crossing uh-huh. um, that will like burn when it's their turn and glow, like yeah. literal embers of fire. Yeah, and if you take too long, it just burns hotter and hotter yeah. to the point where if you just like refuse to participate um oh. and also at the end of the game when the other person has one it will just incinerate you that's how that's how you die even if the other enchanter doesn't kill you um the brain will incinerate you so that's cool um but, but what cremation <laughs> they start this they start this game and nikolai is enchanter one so he goes first and the first thing he does is he like repaints the main street yeah um this is also a ostensibly being done for, like, the Pasha's birthdays coming up, so it's kind of like, oh, we'll make it a birthday celebration. Right. The Tsar, because the Tsar can pick a winner, so the Tsar has yeah. added when he was, like, commencing the game mm-hmm. um, that it's my son's birthday, so... <laughs> so do something nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So they can do pretty much anything as long as it doesn't scare people. Yeah, they're not supposed to, like, cause havoc. They're not supposed to like, kill other people. Um, but they can definitely kill each other, which is what Galena is straight up just, just like, hands Nikolai a knife, and she's like, don't worry, I won't miss, like, kill her immediately. Um, while Sergei is, like, obviously takes a much different tack and wants his daughter to stay true to herself, i.e. not become a murderer. Um, and he gives her a bracelet that he says is a good luck charm. And that she can never take it off, and says she has to keep it on her wrist. Which we find out more about that later. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> and so, so this is how they sort of start, and so Nikolai repaints the main street, that looks really cool. He also adds a um, addition of these many different stone birds to like the eaves or whatever. And um, because he also wants to like, you know, maybe he does want to kill this girl and end it because only one of them can win. And if you don't win, you're gonna die. This is like Game of Thrones. Have I seen Game of Thrones? No, but I know that's the premise, right? There's a lot if of people you don't dying. Win the Game of Thrones. Right. If you don't win, you die. I don't think that's necessarily true. In Game of Thrones, it totally is. There's a quote. What is 
I don't know. Neither of us have seen Game of Thrones. It's but like we you just... don't play the Game of Thrones. You win or you die. Oh. I don't know. Well, That's like a very similar idea. Someone can this is actually email. like on some Amazon? of the like, is it on Amazon? I don't know. You tell me it was on Amazon. It might have been on Amazon. It might have been on Goodreads. That's somewhere I saw that it was like <laughs> considered Game of Thrones for the younger set. Um, or the younger crowd or something. It's not so, quite, but the premise We haven't read or watched Game of Thrones, so we're sure it's quite similar. <laughs> I don't think it's that similar because there's several distinct things, but that premise is similar. Only one of them is going to make it out alive. And so he enchants these stone birds to attack um, Vika when she comes out of the house, which Vika puts up shields, she calls real birds, she thwarts the attack, um, but they are both kind of, like, edging around the, like, should I murder this person? Uh-huh. Um, and so then for Vika's turn, she enchants. She's like, okay, you enchanted, like, the buildings. I'll just enchant the water. Which Vika's first turn is way more impressive. Um, Vika just, like, puts on this giant water show, essentially. She makes, like, a fountain without any of the fountain part, just the water part. Um, so, like, the water in the canal just, like, does all sorts of cool helixes yeah. and starbursts and flowers and... I think it also changes colors because yeah, she enchants the, the, the canals all over St. Petersburg, not just the specific one. Mm-hmm. And she makes the enchantment so it'll happen every hour for like the fountain has every hour, but the water change, just constantly changes rainbow hues. Yeah, ostensibly, like this is not just like a one-time thing, but like I think forever. Yeah, at least till the end of the game. Um, so that's Which because cool. I can turn. And at the same time, she's also kind of like. Yeah, maybe I should kill. Maybe I should kill this guy. So since he happens to be standing out by the canal, she contrives while she's manipulating the water to send a big wave up onto like the precipice area, and he falls in. And everyone's like, "Oh no, he fell in!" But she also has like this rope of water, and she continues dragging him under, um, so he can't get out. And she releases hold on it. I'm not. Is it because she has a change of heart? Or is it because she can't sustain it? No, I think she has a change of heart. I think she has like. She's been kind of watching him, and I think she, like, remembers a moment of, like, watching him in his, like, humanity. I think she, like, remembers, recalls his humanity. Um, yeah. And so is unable to kind of morally bring herself to just <laughs> drown this boy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Understandable. <laughs> um, and so they carry on. They do some different tasks. Can we just skip over? We have to, we're going to quickly talk about their other two tasks. So okay. the next one, um, Nikolai sets up in the big square outside of Winter's Palace, the big palace, um, two boxes, and there's a ballerina and, like, a harlequin doll. Uh-huh. And they, like, dance and, like, fly around um, every evening. Mm-hmm. But then the harlequin well, doll kills of- the ballerina every time. Well, he doesn't exactly kill her, because that would be a little... But, like... All of a sudden, in the middle, like, this, like, red handkerchief comes out, and it's, like, her heart, and it's, like, blood. It's creepy, because Vika obviously goes to watch it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, she's watching this, I mean, kind of a creepy mind game, because the ballerina is supposed to represent her. And so then they go back to the box after this, like, symbolic death. Um, mm-hmm. And so then Vika, for her second turn, is, like, you wanted to, to kill me? Like, well, he does try to kill her. He's, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. The point is, he kind of like tries to kill her during that. Doesn't really succeed. Because second turns to conjure the huge lightning storm. It's going to kill him during that. And then he can't go through with it. Keeps happening. Yep. Um, while this is happening, Pasha has started to fall in love with Vika. 
He like, yeah, yeah, because that's why he invites her. Well, he yeah, he like saw her in the forest when she was training. Throwback. She was on fire. She was on fire, and then she threw a wall of ice at him. Whatever. NBD, but he like fell in love with her during that situation. He um, saw this girl one time. So he decides to invite her to the masquerade ball. Well, he tries to talk her down. He goes to the island, tries to figure out who she is. Yeah. Um, he gets a name, but she's not there. She's already in St. Petersburg. Uh huh. He ends up being able to track her down. Yeah. Yep. Third move, we can skip over that, right? Let's go straight to the ball. Yeah. Well, the, the third move kind of has to do with the ball. Um, Nikolai makes these this box that he puts in the middle of town where if you put puts some, the tailor the tailor you put in old clothes it like will pop you out like the best costume ever and he also sends one to Vika's house and Vika doesn't use it because she's not a moron yeah <laughs> and, she um, thinks the box might kill her yeah which turns out like yes it would have made her a dress but also that dress would have like suffocated her yeah so probably a good call <laughs> but anyway, so she makes her own dress for the ball. She makes herself into, like, a gown of ice. Yeah, it's, like, frozen, but even better. Yeah. Um, and then she has, like, this person that's, like, her BFF from her town. Mm-hmm. Um, and she makes her a dress of chocolate. Yeah. Obviously, it, like, in dress form, but... But it's actually made of chocolate. But, like... Because as we come to find out, like, Bika can control, like, elemental things, like yeah. chocolate... Unclear why chocolate falls into that, but it does. Um, kind of like more natural things where um, Nikolai's strength comes in like manipulating like man made things, more mechanical things. Yeah, and it has to do with how they were trained. So, Vika has elemental magic. She grew up on this rural island, basically just running through the forest. Um, while Nikolai was mentored in the city, and his mentor was all about making him like put together bridges and he like really all these loves bridges and architecture. I mean, it's part of his training. Yeah. So. They have sort of different forms of magic, yeah. different strengths. Right. So anyway, he, they go to the ball, um, and Nikolai dresses as the Harlequin doll. How fitting. Yeah. Um, Pasha is able to dance with Vika, Vika and then Vika... She shows up in the time seat, the most beautiful person. Right. There. And she showed up late. She showed up after the royal family, which is like... Which she realizes, but um, the dress took a long time, okay? The dress had ice. So. <laughs> she apologizes. Everyone's kind of fine with it, except... I mean... Pasha's sister. Nobody else is fine. Actually, no one else is fine. Pasha's Pasha's sister is, like, really annoyed about it. Um, Pasha's dad isn't happy either. Pasha's mom is Yeah, the Tsarina is fine. She's there. Um, But anyway, they dance. um, And Vika winds up dancing with Nikolai. um, And she's kind of had this weird connection to Nikolai in which, like, because they're both enchanters, they form kind of a connection... And so she wants to know more about him, not only so she can kill him, <laughs> um, but actually more because she wants to just, like, understand another person who shares, like, what she's going through, sort of. And they also have, like, you know, the YA, only... like, sparks. Well, yeah, that too. Also, <laughs> the only person like them. Like, right. This is the only other person in the world. Well, not in the world. There's a gesture that maybe Morocco has magic too. In Russia, at mm-hmm. the very least, and probably... Quite a lot of the world. Um, plus, also, I think when they, because when they dance together, um, they do like the waltz. Pasha just like leads her through. Okay, waltz is pretty simple. But then they dance a mazurka, which is like a complicated and very fast moving like, Polish dance. And 
what happens is that Nikolai enchants her, basically. Um, so she has to, like, actually trust him that she's, he's not going to kill her this time with the magic. Um, enchants her to get her to, like, just know the steps naturally and not have to... Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, out of her... She, he almost, like, moves her feet forward. Yeah, basically. Or, like, enchants her feet and her body to be able to move and tune to music appropriately. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think what happens, what I understood from the description was that when that happens, when, like, his magic is working for her, they're working together, that they, like, feel that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously that was a very, like, powerful connection for them. Right, right, right. Um, because they can already kind of sense things just because of their magic. So they can sense, like, edges of their magic and things like that. So when there's another person there, they, like, with magic, they can tell. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of bonds them even closer. Yeah. And so she does trust him. She dances. And even after he's done dancing with her, he keeps that enchantment up on her all night. So she's able to dance with everyone and, like, do all these different dances mm-hmm. without any problems. Yeah. Yep, until she's like, actually, this is a really bad thing to start to have anything close to like feelings for this person. She's scared, and so she runs away. There's some shades of Cinderella here. Anyway, let's move on. What happens after the ball? Yeah, she like runs away. Also, it's like, what? What happens after the ball? After the ball is the island. Immediately, yeah. immediately after the ball, uh, Vika goes out into the middle of one of the canals. I think so. Something. It's like right outside the palace. Um, and build an island, like, a mile and a half, or a half mile by a half mile. So it's not a huge island, but, like, decent. A, a decent, not like a rock in the water. <laughs> uh, like, enough of an island that, like, you can't, and she, like, inhabits it with forests you and trees. You and, walk around on it. Yeah, yeah, she creates an entire environment. Right. Um, um, but she doesn't, she doesn't leave, she leaves some open spaces, and she also doesn't, like, put a dock on. Yeah. Um, and she, in this turn, she does nothing to try to hurt Nikolai. Right. Yeah, so Nikolai comes out to the island because Pasha, obviously, Pasha's really into this magic part. Pasha has figured out that Vika is an enchanter. Um, and Vika somehow lets slip, kind of, in, like, a subtle way that there's more than one enchanter. And that's how Pasha comes to find out that there's two. Um. There's two enchanters, and so, you know, he's getting more into this research, and so he goes up to see the island, takes Nikolai with him, and Nikolai realizes, like, there's nothing at all, like, man-made on the island. There's not a dock, there's none of that. So, like, this is really a place where they can collaborate, because Vika set up all the natural setting, and he could really bring all the, like, cool stuff, cool accessories. Cool things. <laughs> the, the accessories. <laughs> Nikolai can accessorize the island. Which he does. Which he does. Um, he built a dock for it, and he puts lanterns all over that just lo- glow all the time. Yeah. And then the, the coolest thing he does is he put, put he puts benches all over the island, and on each bench there's a little gold plaque that says a place in Russia. And he's enchanted each bench with a place to uh, kind of carry, if you sit down on the bench, it, like, transport you to, like, a dream version of that place. Um, and it's Nikolai's dreams of these places. So some of them he's just read about, some of them he's actually visited. Um, but it's only as far as he knows them. So they're like smallish portions of these places. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's raining. Sure, it's raining. Okay. Okay. Hi. Welcome back. Okay, Bye, guys. Bye. Um, it's not <laughs> really raining right <laughs> now, stop, but now so... okay. just in case. Just in case. It's been like raining. It's like At sunny, various spots on it, like on our five campsite. raindrops, like will appear in the clearing. It's. Just, it's I interesting. It's I just don't want to get rain in my laptop, so we're just being safe. Table. Rather safe than sorry. Exactly. So, welcome to the tent. Um, <laughs> moving on from where we're at. Okay, we just finished the island, um, as far as we know. And <laughs> we're going to quickly glance at a, like, weird subplot that occurs, like, I don't know, partway through the book, I think. Probably maybe halfway in is where it starts-ish. About three chapters are devoted to just the perspective of this person, I think. Anyway, there's this... We don't know who she is at first, but it's this woman who, like, basically awakes from the earth, essentially, where she has been, like, working on, like, resurrecting herself, essentially. She hasn't been dead because even magic can't fix death. She's been, like, almost dead for 16 years. She's been an anti-death, which is, like, a limbo period, yeah. I guess. So she's just been absorbing the life force of all the worms and maggots that have fallen over her. And stockpiling them for 16 years. But enough to reincarnate herself. Which, she's still a corpse. Like, she still looks pretty rough. And she's really smelly. <laughs> they, like, reference yeah. it multiple times that she, like, is very stinky. Yeah, she's been decaying for, like, 16 years, whatever. Yeah. So, like, the first chapter, she just kind of, like, emerges from the ground. We start to figure out, we eventually learn what the deal is. That this is Nikolai's mother, who was this faith healer who got knocked up by this Russian soldier, um, was camping near the village for a time. <laughs> and then obviously he just abandons her later, and she comes to find out she's pregnant, she has a baby. Um, we find out this Russian soldier was not a Russian soldier, it was uh, the Russian the, soldier. <laughs> the Russian soldier. <laughs> it was the Tsar. It was the Tsar. Yeah. So, so Nikolai <laughs> and his friend Pasha are half brothers. How cool! <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's definitely the way I want to find out about that. Um, so we don't really get all this right now, but but we're just gonna do the side plot and kind of one. Yeah, exactly. Go. Um, so she is been dead for a long time, and she's like really ticked at everybody, the, everyone. She's like an angry woman. She also, I think, 16 years in the ground may have turned her brain, like, a little bit. Right. Um, she, like, kills some people in the village, I think. Maybe even everyone in the village. I'm clear. Well, she runs um, into these women, and she's like, where's my son? And they eventually figure out what's going on. So they're talking to a, a corpse, essentially, so they're pretty scared. Um, where they're like, oh, yeah, that kid? Uh, we let him go with, <laughs> we traded him for four animals to a woman. So she's not really happy about this story until so she just slashes her throat yeah. out of just anger, vengeance. Yeah. Um, so that's our first clue that maybe she's not a nice person. Yeah, so she's just, like, generally angry. We'll talk a little bit about kind of the rest of her plot in a second yeah. when it comes up in the rest of the story. But we just wanted to introduce her because we're slowly introduced to her. But, yeah, at the first we don't really know her. what's going on. It's kind of like The Great Hunt. This happened in The Great Hunt, too. Or you got that random third person talking. This book ends up being for the pivotal, but you're kind of like, right. I thought it was done better here because by the second time where she appears, I have an idea of who she is. Um, In The Great Hunt, I was, I didn't have a clue until like the very end-ish, and I never cared at any point. I still thought it was a bad idea. 
Maybe it's because I had other conflicting feelings about this one. Yeah. I feel like you could probably find a lot of similarities to The Great Hunt, but I really did feel that this one was done better. Oh, yeah. I think that's not disputable. <laughs> this book was good. <laughs> we enjoyed it overall. We'll, we'll talk about that more when we're totally done with the plot. But yeah, let's get back to the main plot. So back to our Imperial Enchanters and the Crowns game itself. Um, Actually, so, let's go to another side plot. <laughs> oh, let's look at Siberia. <laughs> yes. Quick detour. Siberian <laughs> detour. Everyone's favorite detour destination. Yeah, okay, so... I'm, We're I'm opening our window. I'm dipping the window to my... Yeah, so it's nice. Um, same yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Phew. Close one. Um, so while these kids... These kids... These can you kids. tell I'm a shadow YA? These kids. I almost yelled at kids to get off my lawn a couple weeks ago. Not really. They were like, it was like, it's like 10.30 at night, like after dark. And we hear this, okay, side story. It's nighttime in the Our summer. specialty. <laughs> exactly. All the windows are open in the house. Right. The front door is open, so it's just the screen door that's there. That means I can hear everything that's happening outside. Okay? Because it's open to the outside. Mesh doesn't prevent the, the transfer of sound, really. Anyway, so it's after dark. Are you, what are you looking at? Should I be concerned? <laughs> Okay. Looking at the bugs that are in between, like, our tent and, like, the rain. Otherwise, why? Okay. Rain that's fine. As long as they say that, that's fine. <laughs> I was, I was like, are they inside? But they're definitely on the other side. I was just ascertaining their location. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so it's nighttime. It's dark. We hear the, like, a big group of teenagers. I, I can hear them, like, walking and talking to the street. And then they're, like, real close. Like, really close. And I can, like, you can hear everything they're saying. And I go out and look at the front door and, like, Two of the girls in the group are running around in our front yard sprinklers. <laughs> and I just like, uh, okay. And the rest of them are standing in the street, like, laughing and talking or whatever. And these two girls are just running around in sprinklers. Because the sprinklers are on because it's nighttime and it's July. And so then I just, like, I've already, like, I've already got ready for bed. So I'm in, like, pajamas in a robe. And um, I usually choose not to be seen in public in pajamas. But I didn't have time to change before I get these kids off my lawn. <laughs> So I, like, open the screen door and um, just, like, lean against, like, the bricks of the house and, like, the front porch light is on. So, like, I'm standing in the light and I'm just, like, like leaning against the wall, like, casually with my arms crossed, just, like, watching this go down. And the screen door, like, slams shut behind me. And so then the kids in the street hear this noise and they look up and they're, like, and it's, I guess, I guess this happens when you're, like, up to mischief where um, you talk to the other people instead of. Like, they started talking to the girls in the yard. They were pointing at me and being like, that woman just saw you run through your front yard. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, hi. And like, waved. Um, and so then the girls are, like, still laughing because it's so hilarious, the sprinklers. And I'm sure they have sprinklers at their house, too. But <laughs> maybe they don't, babe. We live in apartments that don't have lawns. Anyway, so then they, like, go back in the street with their group of, like, 20 kids. Um, and they're like, thanks for your sprinkler. And they're like, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and they just walk. Don't come back. <laughs> and I just casually watch them as they walk to the street. Anyway, back to Serbia. That's an example. <laughs> Not Serbia. Um, Siberia. <laughs> Very different. Similar pronunciation. That's an example of, like, the low frustration from a discipline where instead of yelling and getting angry, um, you just are a silent presence. Cool. That's what I tried to teach my counselors in Germany. Anyway, here we go. Back to Siberia. For the first time. So while the kids 
Well, the kids. Well, these kids. Mika and Nikolai. Well, these kids are all fighting for their, their lives, fighting to the death. Um, their mentors have to be in Siberia. Yeah, <laughs> Siberia. They have to be far away, so they can't affect it. So Sergey and Galina are out in this cabin in Siberia, probably freezing to death. Sort of what it sounds like. There's a blizzard going on. They have like no food. They can like they they have enough magic where they can make make food, but magic food I guess is not very good. It's good. They have some stuff that they can make, but Galina's not really a cook. And she doesn't know how to do anything. Yeah, she's been living like a noble. Mm-hmm. And so she has servants that cook for her. Exactly. Yeah, so they're out there, and it's revealed to us that Sergey and Galina are actually brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So that's not awkward. They're very different people, if you can tell. Um, and Sergey, so Galina gives the knife to Nikolai, and um, <laughs> Vika has the bracelet from her father. Turns out the bracelet isn't really like just a good luck charm. Um, it's actually it connects her like right to like the energy of her father in the sense that when she does magic. She is like she, and she's been like really powerful. And even Nikolai talks about like how powerful she is. He's like, I could never do like that much magic, right? Um, and she comments on it. She's like, it's crazy. I like can do all this magic, and I never need to sleep. And like, and I think, and she attributes it to like being in the proximity of this other enchanter. Yeah, it's like sort of like all feeding on that. But Nikolai is like, I'm not getting any uh, of that. Obviously, Nikolai is not getting that boost. But they are not comparing notes. So, they don't know. And turns out the bracelet is, like, she's drawing on the energy of her father to do this magic. Um, and so she does quite a bit of magic. And the thing that really just, like, pushes it over the edge is that she evanesces the czar in the... Is it pronounced Zarina? I don't know. I think it's Zarina, like, Zarina. That's how it's spelled. Once you know that czar is pronounced czar, that's how it's spelled. Zarina. Zarina. We're going to call her that because... Whatever. Because ballerinas. And ballerinas is, like, a Russian concept. always pronounce things whenever we want to anyway. Well, Paige pronounces things however Paige pronounces them, and then she tells me how she thinks they should be pronounced. Okay, well, sometimes you pronounce things wrong. It's not about That's what I true. <laughs> I do pronounce things incorrectly. <laughs> We've talked about this. <laughs> anyway, the Zarin's Zarina, she evanesces them. Basically, she she essentially teleports them um, mm-hmm. somewhere, which is a pretty, pretty big, big feat. Because they go far. It's, like, supposed to be a two-week long journey. So that's, like, really impressive. Also, it's two people that are not herself. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a lot of factors that make it a little extra tricky, but it's, like, a huge thing. Um, and the, the Tsar had asked her to do this because uh, the Tsarina was very, very ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and they needed to go to the south where it was warmer because cobs don't do well. Coughs. Cobs? Coughs. <laughs> don't do well. Cobbing. In, in Russian winters, strangely enough. Yeah, I mean, she had problems anyway, and, like, warmth is kind of, like, the only cure at this time. <laughs> Yeah, they like, just send you places. The day they're, they're just like, like, send you somewhere warm or send you somewhere with fresh air. They're just exactly. like, go somewhere else. Move that up. <laughs> you know where you should go for tuberculosis? South Africa. Real thing that happened. Um, anyway, so that's the same sort of story here. So she evanesces them. And then she's just walking home with Nikolai at the end of the night. And she's like, happy and healthy. And Nikolai, again, is just like, A, could not have evanesced. I can't evanesce a damn thing. Right. At B, this point, could not have evanesced two people. C, could not have been able to walk home after it. At this point, they've really developed this very, like, it's very, it's still very tenuous because they're in a competition to kill each other. Yeah. But they've developed a pretty close friendship. Um, they on a ton of interaction, but. Post Island. They had some interaction on the island having to do with, like, oh, Nikolai's birthplace and uh-huh. whatever. They're buds. They're walking home together. Yep. And suddenly, Vika just, like, collapses. passes out, collapses. The bracelet, like, there's like I think there's just like a pain in her wrist or something. Mm-hmm. Like the bracelet hurts, and then she's like passed out flatly. Nikolai and like like 
not like delicately faints, just like like <laughs> smashes her head on the top of stuff. Um, because that's what happens when you really faint and no one is there to catch you. You just completely yeah. hit every part of the ground. Um, at Nikolai, it doesn't have a quick enough response time to grab her. Unfortunately, anyway, he like has to carry her home. Um, because like he's not even conscious. Um, and then it turns out the bracelet is missing, and they don't really know anything about it right now. But guess what? That's when Sergei died. Um, because Epinescent to people is a lot of work. Yep. So Sergei's been like, co- and he's been getting weaker and weaker in Siberia, but he just like completely dies. Dies at this point. Um, and so eventually she gets the news by letter from Galena, um, which pretty much sends her into emotional spiral. Yep, she gets really upset. She, like, won't leave her room for a week. She's, like, real, real upset. Um, Pasha tries to come and, like, talk her down. Almost doesn't really work. Well, he sends a carriage for her. And is like, I'll take you to our summer home. And you can, like, go to the garden. It's like, okay, that's nice. Also, like, based on everything I know from all the other books I've read, um, it's not okay for young women to be in the presence of young men unchaperoned. Um... Even, even if there's a bad um, And Pasha's sister though. alludes to that. Where she's mm, yeah. like, mm, you guys have already met? How? <laughs> and he's like, actually, no, we haven't. At the ball. Because the ball is still true. Um, yeah, I was really surprised. I was like, this is going to be bad. Like, you two can't be in a carriage all day by yourselves. Whatever. Nothing ever can do that. Because that's not the story we're in right now. Yeah. Um, um, but but she just falls asleep. And that's how Pasha finds out about the brand. Yeah. Um, and also, also, going back to that letter, that letter also disclosed that Vika is not actually Sergei's son. Yeah. Or daughter. Yes, or son. (laughs) Either. (laughs) Either. Um, just like Galena picked up, uh, Nikolai kind of off the streets. Um, (laughs) the streets of the middle of nowhere. (laughs) The streets of the middle of nowhere. Uh, uh, Sergei picked up. Vika from the side of a volcano. Oh, so in the middle of nowhere. Where she was like. abandoned by her mother. who was a, a volcano nymph. Yeah. So her mother's apparently still alive, and I hope she comes to play in the sequel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's unclear. I kind of thought that meant the mother was dead, but obviously the door is very much open. I think she comments on it because she finds out that she, like, she's like, I thought my mother died yeah. this whole time, and she just abandoned she just abandoned me. She could have abandoned her and then died. But we also don't know who her father is. And for yeah. a while, and this was just like me reading into things, there's really no textual clues that would lead me to this place. But I was like, I wonder if the Tsar is also her father and her and Nikolai are siblings, like half siblings, because the Tsar was. Because it is made reference that the Tsar, like, really just, like, ran around and, like, slept with everyone. Had several affairs. But yeah. it's also in the, like, the Tsarina might have had a few too. <laughs> The only person who says that, though, is Nikolai's crazy mother, though. Yeah. Crazy corpse mom. So, I don't know if I should And the Sarina seems, like, really, like, nice and yeah. cool and whatever. I mean, that doesn't mean you can't have affairs, I guess. <laughs> you can seem really nice and cool and be, like, a horrible person. <laughs> we don't know. The point is we don't know. But anyway, so she's not only spiraling because her, the her, father's, dead. her father's dead. It's not actually her father. Yeah. And so she's been lied to for the past 16 years and, like, she's and it's, like, like come on. It's really stressful. Yeah. She's, so she's in a bad place. And so, because she's in a bad place, she's like, I'm just going to go end it. I'm going to go kill Nikolai. I don't know if she thinks she's going to kill him. Yeah. She thinks she's just going to destroy everything. Nope. She's going to kill him. She goes to his house, and she gets an army of rats and cats and bats. 
don't know about the, the rats one. for sure. Rats and cats and moths is actually. I think it's rats, cats, really? and moths. Okay. Yeah. And they're going to, she's like, go in his house and just rip up everything. Um, and she is like, I'm going to rip up everything and I'm going to trap, I'm going to put a force field like around the house so oh. he can't leave and he's just watch everything of his being destroyed. And then, then I'm going to kill him. Yeah, she's like, she's really lost in. Um, and so she tries this and it, she lets it go on for a little bit and then she, A, she realizes, hey, Nikolai's not in the house, so. So check that first. <laughs> um, also, like, this is really horrible. Why am I doing this? And she stops. Um, and just goes home. And it's just like, nope. She just goes home. Um, Nikolai has to repair the damage. Nikolai is, like, really ticked for a minute there, but he finds to find out, like, comes to think yeah. it through when he calms down. Yeah. And he comes to find out that she had just lost, just found out about her father's death and, and also that he wasn't actually her father. Like, he comes to find out that she's grieving and is a hot mess. So yeah. he kind of forgives her. I mean, he's still, like, a little annoyed. And I think she's lost a lot of the trust she's kind of built up with him. But he isn't, like, mad, necessarily. Yeah. He is at first, and then when he sees all this other stuff is happening, he realizes that she's just, like, kind of acting out in constructive ways. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know what else to do. Um, but, but this is sort of when stuff starts to go down with, between Pasha and Nikolai. Right. Um, so they each only have one turn left at this point. You have not been keeping score. <laughs> so they're both, they've both done four turns, they both have one left. But Pasha comes to Nikolai, and Pasha's like, oh my gosh, we have to stop this game. Like, this is killing her. Like, it's Well, Pasha is, Pasha knows, so he's, he's really found out about it. He knows Vika is the enchanter. Is an mm-hmm. an enchanter. He knows about this clown's game. He's actually seen the brand because she falls asleep in the carriage, um, and like so her hair moves and somehow her brand becomes exposed and it's actually like you know glowing because it's been two weeks or whatever since she's taken her turn. Um, <laughs> so presumably can't also smell burning flesh. I don't he know. Smoke is coming off of it. Yeah, it's pretty intense. I think this might. I be was like really worried that she was gonna burn up in the carriage. I feel like they... But she's going to, like, awaken and be like, shoot, I gotta go now or they're going to get burnt. Yeah, I kind of have felt like this brand thing might be a little bit more debilitating than it was in the book. Like, I think if I had this, like, live coals inside me, I might be in bed, you know? Instead of just out walking the streets being like, oh, what should I do next? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's not like that. Maybe it's just like a toaster and it gradually steps up to, like, preheating oven. I don't know. Eventually, it, like, consumes you, so you feel like you're probably get pretty bad. <laughs> right, I don't really know how it works. Also, it's unclear how the time period. Two weeks seems like a long time. Like, if I were in charge of that, I would have already exploded her. <laughs> <laughs> you're done, you're done. Um, but anyway, so Pasha is, like, knows, Pasha knows pretty much stuff. everything that's going on except who the other enchanter except is. who the other enchanter is. And he's like, Nikolai, you have to help me. We have to kill this other enchanter. Well, he didn't say that. We have to end the game. And Nikolai's like, what the heck do you want to do? You don't know who the other enchanter is. Are you just going to go kill him? Well, yeah, Nikolai like, raises some good points. The fact that, like, <laughs> like what is your solution? Yeah. Because <laughs> Nikolai has also thought about this and has not come up with a solution. <laughs> so he's not, like, you know, a real dad about Pasha being like, hey, yeah, I have less information than you, but, um, yeah, that's probably weird. <laughs> um, let's end this. Nikolai is, like, pretty upset because he's also been back into a corner for, like, months now and is also sort of cracking in this thing here. And Pasha is all like, let's do something. And he's like, if there was something to do, I would have done it. And then he takes a bottle of vodka because they're both, like, drinking. Oh, and he just, Pasha is like, I love her. 
Um, yeah. And then Nikolai breaks a bottle of vodka, like a full bottle of vodka. Nikolai can't handle it anymore. She smashes it on the table and um, then reassemble. Like, so the glass goes everywhere, the vodka goes everywhere, and he reassembles it and puts the vodka back in. And he's like, and then he fixes Fox's sleeve. And then he's like, okay, well, I'm the other enchanter. Yeah, Pasha's like, it was you? Pasha's not happy. Also, he's like, also, I love her, too, so. Which he kind of just, like, lets out in an unguarded moment, and he's like, and he, and he's like, in a monologue, is like, oh, I didn't really know that that was true until I said it. <laughs> right. There's a lot of conflicted feelings happening here. Yeah. Um, and so now Pasha's, Pasha, I feel like I didn't really understand that he's upset, but I really felt like it was too much. I kind of, I like, I see Nikolai's side of it way more than I see Pasha's. I'm like, Pasha. what did you want him to do? It's supposed to be this huge secret, and you wanted him to tell you, and, right. like, you're in this, you've also put him in this unworkable position where you, like, you're in love with the person he has to kill. Right. And, like, plus you have yeah. this romantic rivalry. It's just, like. I mean, I get it. Like, there's no good answers or solutions for anyone. I think Pasha did probably overreact a little bit, but I think he's also not just reacting out of anger, but also acting out of, like, the frustration of realizing that he's either going to lose the girl that he has fallen in love with or his best friend. And where he's just like, so he just gets really mad. Well, right after this revelation, he's like, he starts referring to Nikolai already as like the former best friend. He also, okay. What a good 15 year old, 16 year old move. <laughs> My former best friend, Nikolai, wouldn't have done that to me. <laughs> he but also you, thinks, I don't care. He's also like, you know, I could have you executed, right? Which seems like, Whoa, this is like the, okay, this is the thing. If your friend is like the Imperial Sovereign of Russia, who is apparently an 18, back in 1825 or whatever, is still able to just behead people on whims. Um, I feel like if you're going to be friends with people, you really, if you want to actually be friends with them, um, I don't think that's an okay thing to hold over their head. No. You know, I could have you executed, right? Even when you're angry, I think that takes it way too far. But you, you know, know, I could take a rock and bash your head in. <laughs> I don't go around saying that. <laughs> If I was the czar, do you think, or the czar regiment? No, like, the little czar. What is the, it has a longer name in Russian that I don't remember. Like, the czar prince. Says. <laughs> the grand Do you think I would never say that to you, though? <laughs> you know that I say that. I'd be mostly joking. I don't think I'd ever say it to you in seriousness. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Unclear. Whenever. I really, I don't know. I'm I never like, threatened to have Paige beheaded. In my defense. She also doesn't have the power to. I do. <laughs> if she did, I think it'd be a different Although story. Although we just made an axe. It's very small. I don't know if it'd be very good for beheading. It'd be a little blunt. Let's, like, horrifying you. That's... Out. We're not even <sighs> stressful. Okay, moving on. Um, anyway. um, no, I felt like Pasha was, like, really mean about it. Especially, okay, he also, like, is blind to the fact, and I understand that he's angry, but, like, Okay, Nikolai is the one that this really, really sucks for. Like, it sucks for you, but it really sucks for him, right? He's trapped in this magical contest that he can only get out of by dying or by killing the person that he's fallen in love with, too. So, right. like, I don't know. What's Tasha's that? Just yeah. kind of a spoiled brat. This is like a lose, 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 lose. And I, I, like, I don't know. I don't know if I felt that strongly about Tasha. In this moment, later we do, because we're... Well, then I'm just like, yeah, this is really going down here. Um, so, anyway... Back to uh, Nikolai's mother, Rotting Corpse Woman. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Rotting Corpse Woman's like, I need to, like, revenge everyone. Or, 
revenge everyone? Mm, probably not the right use of that phrase. You know, you get, get revenge by killing everyone. So she has found out that the Tsar has gone to the south, and she's followed him down there, and she kills him. Yep. That's the long and short of it. Typhus. And the Tsar is like, oh shit, because she lets him know. She's like, it's fine, I just gave you typhus, like, whatever. And he's, like, not pleased, you know, because typhus is something that kills you. And so he, like, tries to get back to his wife, to the doctors, to whatever, because he's out in, like, some military camp. Yep. Um, and he makes it all the way to, like, the doorstep and dies in his wife's arms, and his wife quickly follows. Yeah. Dies she, in, like, wasn't, she wasn't doing very well anyway, and then and her, her husband died. Right. Um, so, guess what? <laughs> Remember Guess who's in charge? Remember when we told you the czar could pick a winner? Yeah, the new czar is Pasha. And so now Pasha's in a situation where he's Because they do say that he's not the czar yet until he's officially coronated. Right. Which, to me, seemed like a loophole. Like, if there's no czar to declare a winner, then the game has to declare a winner, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that's it why... It really seems like Pasha doesn't have the power to do it. I think that's true. Because Pasha doesn't declare a winner. Instead, he declares that... Due to the urging of his sister, also the fact that he's still ticked at Nikolai. He's still his sister is a case study and yeah, politique is what his sister is. <laughs> um, so she urges him to have them finish the game quickly because the Empire is in need of an Imperial Enchanter like quickly. He's going to be... Yeah, the sister, like, this a quick side note on the sister because we haven't brought up yet. Yeah. Yuliana is the younger sister and this is clearly a case of, like, the younger sibling being more suited to because mm-hmm. of the fun ways of primogeniture, like, she's not going to have power. Mm-hmm. Also because she's a woman. Um, but she's clearly the one who, like, understands the role and responsibility. Right. It's, like, very involved in politics. Right. She goes to all um, the meetings. She reads all the papers. She's, like, very like, she enjoys... She's the one who urged her father, the czar, to make this, to call the, what's it called? The crowns game. game. <laughs> not the game of crowns. The crowns game. Close. Um, she's the one who, like, kind of makes her dad do it. Yeah. Um, cause she's like, look, consider it a birthday gift, okay? She sees that her brother Pasha is like, you know, really cool and charming, but like, is weak and a lot of, like, is not resolute like her, is not pragmatic like her. Like, she has no problem. I'm sure she has no problem sticking a knife into someone that she needs to, but she sees that her right. brother is not gonna be that person. Right. And so for his sake, for the Russia's sake, she wants to make sure that there's gonna be some power somewhere. Yeah. Um, so she urges her brother to urge the enchanters to end the, um, end the crowns game quickly. To call um, this final duel. So they have a final duel, and she encouraged them to complete it on time. Yeah. They have kidnapped the people that were closest to them, so, um, Nikolai has a servant that is his very best friend. People we haven't mentioned, but um, doesn't matter. <laughs> but lives with them. We're not going to say And, um... Vika, Vika has, has the town's baker who has come to stay with her in St. Petersburg because Vika wants her there and has become basically a quasi-mother figure. Yeah. So they get locked up and they're told that they'll be let go when they're done and if they don't participate, then bad things will happen to them. Um, so? So, yeah. Okay, fine. Yuliana urged this, but also Pasha's the one who went through with it, which really makes him, like, kind of like, really culpable. And I don't mean kind of, actually. I just... Take um, up kind of. So, I can understand that you're angry, but, like, my God. Yep. And again, also, he's sort of, like, the party who's been wronged by second hand here. Yeah. So this is where you start to, this is where I started to lose sympathy. Um, with Pasha's reaction, I was, like, okay with, like, fine, you can feel I how really, you need to feel. I really but, lost sympathy there. He, 
I know, you already told us how you lost the <laughs> But here, when he's like, and I like, his sister really pushed for it. But at the same time, like, I don't care if your younger sister is like berating you. Like, <laughs> right. Um, and I don't know if there's a good solution, but this certainly wasn't a good solution. Okay? Uh, we yeah, because before he had been all like, we need to find a solution. We need to find a way out of the game. And in fact, at one point, he swears on his. When he finds out what the losing the game will mean for Vika or whatever, he's like, I swear my mother's telling me that I'll find a way to end the game. This is like getting him out of it. Right. Not just bringing it to its natural conclusion, okay? That was going to happen no matter what you did. Right. So. But anyway, so they show up in this island, the island they, they created together. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they're ready for a duel. They don't really know what's going to happen. Vika has remembered, like, the trauma she made to her father, and she's like, you know, if Nikolai moves against me, then, like, okay, I'll react, but I right. really don't think I'm capable of killing him. Right. Um, and Nikolai has not made similar promises to Galena, because Galena's not that kind of lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's the kind of lady who gives you the, the knife that cannot miss. Yeah. So. Yeah, they got some different knives. Um, so you're a little, so they're on the island, and Nikola, Nikolai. Nikolai is like chatting, but he's freaking flipping his dagger around. Right. He's like, how are you doing? How, blah, blah, blah. I just found out that your dad died. I'm so sorry. My condolences. Like, this sounds like a really sincere, and Vika's like, I don't know what to do. Because it sounds like a very sincere conversation, and that she still has feelings for him and everything. Right. But he's also standing there with the dagger in his hand. She's kind of the just dagger like, that cannot miss. So she's uh, pulled up as many shields as she can. Um, and then Nikolai is like, okay, I'm going to end this. And so he stabs himself in the heart. But the dagger that cannot miss, cannot miss, cannot miss Vika. It cannot miss its target. It, Which, it according to Galena, is Vika. Right. That's not what I was saying, but okay. Wow. <laughs> it, like, can miss its target. It can't miss Vika. So, like, even if he would have stabbed a tree. Um, it can miss Nikolai's target. It cannot miss Galena's yeah. target. Galena neglected to mention that when she gave it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the point was she did she did this on purpose because she figured that Nikolai's compassion was going to get the better of him and he wasn't going to kill the other enchanter. Um, yeah. Is true. So she just tried to hedge her bets a little bit. But anyway, so now Vika's laying on the ground like bleeding out because she just got stabbed in the heart. Because the knife went into her anyway, which she realizes what Nikolai's about to do and is like really upset and tries to stop him. Um, but then obviously ends up stabbed herself through magic. Um, and then Nikolai's freaking out. Spat is a bad Romeo and Juliet situation. Yeah. Um, but at least it wasn't through just miscommunication and stupidity. Yeah. Um, and so then Nikolai goes and he tries, he tries to save, uh, Vika by using a similar spell to the one he used when they were dancing. So he's trying to get her heart to, like, match the beat of his heart. In the same way that he... Had her, her feet match the beat of the music. Yeah, because he realizes, he's like, you know, Vika had mentioned that she could do some healing of, like, animals, but he has no, he's like, I can't do healing. I don't know how any of that works. Um, So he tries to use his method to do that. To bring her back to life to the point where she can heal herself. Yeah. He can't, like, heal her wound, but he can keep her alive long enough where hopefully she can. Yeah, get her heartbeat to, the idea is that he's going to essentially do CPR, get her heartbeat yeah. to steady itself, and then she'll be able to stands to bleeding on her own. Which she does, successfully. Unfortunately, by the time she's able to to heal herself and is, like, good to go, Nikolai has already given everything he has to this, and he, like, just dies. He doesn't burn up, which they make a big point of. Yeah. Like, the game doesn't claim him. He just kind of, like, like, disappears. It's like, yeah. missed someone's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And so and Pasha's, Pasha's, Pasha's back at home. With Pasha's salads. back at home vomiting to the face. Like, He's like really upset. Like <laughs> shockingly, a little bitch. <laughs> He's like really upset. He's like crawling around on the floor, puking. He obviously didn't go to the island to watch because like. <laughs> I just can't with him at this point, okay? <laughs> um, and so he's waiting. There's a scroll that will write the winner that has been, like, keeping track by itself because magic. Um, and so he's waiting. Um, Nikolai made his last turn by stabbing himself. And so, and then the winner is declared to be Vika. And he sees it on the paper. And he just, like, loses it. Um, and it's, like, very sad. He throws up in the vase again. <laughs> he just does not care. He knows empathy for this character. I just, like... He, like, on the morning of the duel, before anything, before anyone's even gotten to the island, he wakes up in, like, the morning, and he, like, vomits into this vase. Why is it a vase? I don't know, but there's, like, this is That's what it's close in the book. By. Well, then he, then he never decides to get a more proper, like, receptacle. <laughs> is it still full of his old vomit? Flaring? <laughs> That's gross. Um, <laughs> I guess I didn't have waste paper baskets. I don't know. Um, anyway. so the point is. Um, I just, like, so he wakes up before the, anything even started in the morning, and he's, like, he's, like, you know, shit, like, I really, I screwed this up. Like, I'm I made a up. huge mistake. <laughs> okay, fine. And he vomits into the base, but then, like, he has time to call it off, and he just kind of, like, he's, like, shut up! <laughs> what are we gonna do? It's literally all a song. Okay. Um, um uh, and like, so then he, and he, there's a line in the book where, he, like, Hush decided he would not move off the floor that whole morning, and I'm just, like, okay, so you're literally gonna lay <laughs> <laughs> lay on the floor, vomit into the vase, and just wait for somebody to die. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, and so Vicky gets, like, ticked about this, because later Pasha comes to her and is like, oh my gosh, like, this is really sad. Yeah, I'm and she's like, bad about this. <laughs> she's like, oh, shit. She's like, you know what, maybe we can have this conversation later, but, like, right now I'm still pretty deep to you. Right. And she's like, like, I'll do my job now that, because I get sworn off. Mm-hmm. But, like, He's like, you won't be there of your own will. And she's like, she's like, I'll be there for Russia. Like, what do you think? <laughs> well, she like, is like, it's of my own will in the sense that, like, you're not going to have to drag me kicking and screaming because I know this is what needs to be yeah, done I'm gonna for do Russia. Yeah, I'm going to do my job already, but like. If and this is, what I pro- this is what I promised my father. I promised my father, yeah. my fake father, that <laughs> I would help with Russia, the Russian situation. Yeah. So that's where we kind of, oh no, there's one quick little thing. Okay. So on the island, those benches, there's one bench that is of um, the step, of the step, which is where Nikolai grew up. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And um, so Vika goes and, like, visits the step on one of the benches. And while she's there, in the distance, before, because she was there, hold on one second. She, sorry, I'm going to give you the context <laughs> you need to continue explaining. She... Went. She visited this bench with Nikolai before, um, when the first when he first created it, and in the sort of this is Nikolai's memory. He's like in the distance. There's uh, essentially like a falconer on his horse, and it's actually it's a golden eagle or whatever. But they like watch this the golden eagle come back to the to its owner and land on its own. Okay, so that's what she saw in the dream. Now, go on with the story. She's returned after Nikolai's death. And the Golden Eagle has a rider. Right? What? No. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> I thought a shadowy big was riding the Golden Eagle. <laughs> no, that's why he gave, like, okay, a Golden Eagle is the size of pretty much a normal eagle. 
It's not a griffin. <laughs> okay, so what happened? Why I gave that context that Michelle didn't pick up on was that in the memory, there had been, like, that other person as the uh, Golden Eagle's owner. But in this part, that figure has become this sort of shadowy figure who she first saw Nikolai as when he was still in his, like, shadowy disguise before they... when they were still shielding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. When um, they were pretending to be secret. And, like, has, like, the top hat of Nikolai. Obviously, if you are living out on the step, you probably don't have a top hat. Yeah. Um, and then she thinks back to her armoire, the magic armoire that Nikolai gave her. Uh-huh. And that, that was that could have like, killed her. That could have killed her, but did it. And it, like, on the outside, it, like, is pretty much an armoire that, like, gives you your greatest wish. Well, it lets you see. In the wood on the front, it lets you it's like Harry Potter. This book is just like it's Harry like Potter meets Game of Thrones meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's gonna be the tagline. If I'm <laughs> since we're writing all books taglines as blank meets blank now in the publishing world, I just gave you a great one, guy. <laughs> Evelyn. Right. Okay, wrap up the last freaking line in the book. Well, we're literally waiting oh. for you. Do you want me to do the last line? I didn't know you that. started a sentence and then you didn't finish it because you started talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say. Whatever, that's the end of the book. And so this is sort of our hope that Nikolai still exists in some way, because Vita can feel it, and she kind of sees Yeah, the, the shadow figure. is undeniably Nikolai. <laughs> that's the last thing. Okay. So, and this is a uh, book's a series. Uh, I was upset. It's I really, a duology. I really thought this was going to be a one-book thing, and so then I was disappointed when it didn't wrap up. Do I see that there was a lot going on? <laughs> As we just Pro- spent Probably shouldn't have. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm happy to read the next one. So this is not until 2017, so I'm actually not that happy. It's only next year. What year is it? Yeah. 2016. I, my head a different time here that is two years out. There's no, I think it's like fall of 2017, like so, uh, probably a, a little over a year. Yeah. Which is anyway. rude, Evelyn. I mean, that's how books go. I mean, this came out in May, so it's pretty That's actually like a pretty quick turnaround. Anyway. Anyway. That's all that's, of our plot. That's the plot. That's the plot. It's a com- yeah. complicated plot. It's really good. It's it well done. Really good if you can't tell we did like it. It's well done. The myth- we already talked about how much we enjoyed the way the mythology was woven together. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked all the characters, too. I felt like the ca- characters were interesting mm-hmm. and fairly like, well developed. It and- could have been like a very, very cliche love story. Yeah. In the same way that. The Great Hunt was. Yeah. Just because that was oh our Oh my gosh, that scene in The Great Hunt. <laughs> he looked her up oh, and down. If you don't know what scene we're talking about, you have to go back and listen to our drunk podcast. Tonight. <laughs> we're going to drunk podcast again, so don't worry, guys. Maybe tonight. <laughs> we do have a bottle of wine. We have a bottle of wine. We have to drink it all tonight. We can't record it. Slash Actually, not going to. There's a screw on cap. Does it? Yeah, that one does. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, because last night, okay, whatever. We don't have to tell you about this. Um, we had to get the cork out with the tennis snake, is what we're saying. <laughs> we'll spare you the, the, the details, but that is what happened. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, what the hell was I saying before? Oh, we were oh it love. could have been a very cliche story. And it didn't, like, okay, yeah, you know, it ends up being a love story, and if you thought with love a triangle of themselves are cliche. Yeah, there's kind of like a, a weird square triangle situation. There's, there's a lot of, actually, points. there is a lot of storylines to wrap up in the next book, so it's good that it, there's another one. Yeah. It wasn't like The Great Hunt, where we totally could have wrapped it up in one book. Yeah. Damn it. No, uh-huh. this book, they're, well, they have to, like, figure out a way to get Nikolai back, I'm assuming. Yeah, okay, so the next book doesn't involve Nikolai and <laughs> I'm assuming you have to get him back. Um, I was reading, <laughs> in my adventures with trying to find things to tweet, 
I was reading an interview Evelyn Sky gave about this book, and she was talking oh, yeah. about um, how they asked her a question about like the portrayal of romantic love in this book and like mm-hmm. the love triangles. And she talked about that how one of her hopes for the book is that this book not only served to kind of highlight romantic love, um, but also served to look at familial love and friendship mm-hmm. love and look at all these sorts of relationships. I think it does a really great job of that, and I think that's why the romance doesn't seem so cliche, because it's not this character devoid of any other relationship getting this one only relationship that, like, completes them. Yeah. It's these people with complex lives and complex relationships to lots of other characters. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it does a really good job of kind of discussing the intricacies of that, and also does a really good job of looking at, like, self-sacrificing love mm-hmm. in a way that I feel like is often not done. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think that's one of the – part of the saving grace is, is that part, like Michelle said. Also part of it is that it's not badly written. Right. It's really well written. <laughs> um, yeah. But, and then to go back to that, yeah, like, it, as Michelle said, there is a portrayal of familial love is portrayed, friendship. Um, and those two things are almost – more important than mm-hmm. the romantic aspect of the book, especially because the romance doesn't come until later. Right. Um, so that's really the familial love and the friendship is what we have more of, um, what we see more of. And, yeah, and it's not where it's a situation where um, we have characters who, like, are basically trying to get out of, like, horrible family situations, trying to, like, run away from families by mm. becoming consumed with a romantic interest. Yeah. Or just like throwing over all their friends. Right. There's this rift between Nikolai and Pasha, but it's for different reasons. Right. Um, yeah, it's not. Over- I mean, the girl is an aspect of it. She's a part of it, but it's more of trust and yeah, and secrets and and I think Nikolai. Again, and- I don't know what Pasha expected. <laughs> Nikolai and Pasha's relationship is something that uh, we didn't talk a ton about earlier in the book, but it's something that early in the book is really explored, and it's talked about how. Because Nikolai really sees himself as someone, he's an orphan. Although he's living this life of nobility, he, like, really has nothing. Yeah. Um, and then Pasha has everything, so they're able... They both see each other as being the lucky right. one. Right, It's an interesting dynamic. Um, but you can kind of see how their friendship has helped both of them throughout these years to, like, live in these lives that are not the lives they would desire for themselves. Yeah. Um, you also see Sergei as um, just this, like, wonderful example of familial love, even though he's not technically... Uh-huh. Um, because father, like, he loves her like she's his daughter, and that's really beautifully portrayed. Um, and we see friendship also with some of the more minor characters that we didn't really get into. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's definitely one of its strengths as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, one other just, like, random point <laughs> I'm going to talk about. So part of Juliana's, like, motivation for, like, a lot of stuff, and I like I said, like case study of alcoholic. Like she's gonna do whatever you have to do to consolidate power. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, it's not about ideology; it's just about power, right? <laughs> um, and so part of her sort of motivation for that is she's like, she just her, she sees her brother is so soft, and she's like, my father and I are stern, and like we have like the iron fist, and like we'll crack the whip, but Pasha won't, because mm-hmm. um, they're riding along the carriage, and in Russia. Um, Back in the day, you didn't really have any rights <laughs> um, before the fundamental laws. Anyway, back in the days of the czars, um, you didn't really have any rights. So it's not okay to criticize the government or criticize the czar. Like, mm-hmm. you, it doesn't have to be, like, death threats. Like, you just you can't say anything against them. 
and they're going down the street in their carriage and someone is like yelling about like something someone's yelling bad things about this are um and the guards just like immediately jump him um and like hit him in the head with a rifle actually and everyone else is fine with it and Pasha's like you know make sure he gets medical treatment take him home say that like everything's fine um <laughs> he's like tell him that i realize that everyone gets carried away at birthdays and i was like all right that's a little because <laughs> it's conceited it's, maybe <laughs> but i feel like that's not what's happening it's not the guy's birthday people that are is. being carried away in birthday spirit here <laughs> it's not the guy that got hit in the head's birthday it's pasha's birthday yeah he's like everyone just sometimes gets a little excited when it's my birthday <laughs> it's magnanimous but it's also you know a little bit elitist yeah i mean i think really, that happens when you're i was a, like at the end juliana becomes a character that you're like see is pretty despicable because she kind of ends things but she's the character that like is really the one that should be ruling in many respects well and i i liked her as a character i thought she was interesting not necessarily like as a person character but um the role she served in the book because she we kind of are introduced with her to her pretty early before Very we were introduced early. To and Masha. i didn't like her at any point because i oh i did thought she was really mean she's kind of mean whatever yeah as we've talked about i like a, a good mean character too I huh. it depends. Um, but anyway, so the point with that was that um, Yuliana was like, Pasha's just too soft. And like, especially because there's also these sub threads in the book about um, sort of like the different sort of rebellions almost that are happening in far flung mm-hmm. points on the empire. You have the Ottoman Empire on the rise. You have all these sort of threats to Russia's security internally and externally. And um, so this is what Yuliana sees and is really afraid about. And she's even like, you know, dad's not even doing what he, like, she wants the czar to to take more action um and i just wanted to point out that like having a softer touch is not necessarily worse just from like the like the political standpoint just because when you when the russian czars like the end of the czars that's what happens is that they're backed into a corner and so they like kind of give up some things right they let a duma be formed so like an elected assembly they grant the fundamental laws but every time they decide that things are getting away from them, they crack down. And, like, the more they crack down, the angrier people got. And that's what leads to their overthrow, is that you can't continually, like, try to stamp that out. Um, at the point, like, the reforms they did were too little too late, and then just continually cracking the whip did not make it better, it made it worse. So a self-touch might actually be more appropriate. Though, it's also true that the end of the USSR was like a gentle sort of change like glass most gradually open up and that was the crumbling of the whole soviet union maybe they were okay with it at that point anyway <laughs> quick history aside thanks for, to think about if you really enjoy political science <laughs> or thinking about it being as our one yeah also just considering how you yourself will wield power um, it's important what if as an elected or unelected official yeah i when anesthesia came out i really enjoyed it um, also thought I might be a secret princess, so... Yeah, maybe I my whole re- family got shot in the shed, and maybe I'm the only living descendant, maybe. Yeah, you gotta be ready in case you're a secret princess. <laughs> they left that part out of the movie. They did. Anyway. You had Alright. Uh, did I? You said something that you... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk briefly about, and I don't know how much this is true. This is one of my initials. <laughs> <laughs> eh, whatever. <laughs> this one or this one? I don't know. This one? Or this one? Which one? 
Oh. I thought that one. I thought you also had, like, some historical point. But go on. This is just a side note in which I was like, um, I think this is historically inaccurate. Yeah. Uh, So at one point, uh, Nikolai's mom shows up and tries to talk to Nikolai. Oh, I don't think I mentioned this. Nikolai's dad is the czar. Did we say that? We did say that. Okay, good. She came to tell him that. And to be like, and to, (laughs) and she's like, I killed him for you. And he's like, what the hell, mom? We don't go around killing people. <laughs> and then she's like, also, I'm telling everyone that you're the, son, the czar's son to, like, plant some, like... Yeah, also, I've been starting up rebellion. Rebellion. And he's like, mom, are you This isn't a good idea, mom. Anyway, uh, but then he, like, puts a bubble around her because she's really stinky. And <laughs> uses the bubble to tie her to a pew in a Russian Orthodox church. And I was like, Russian... And I'm not entirely sure time period-wise, but currently they do, and I don't think they would have taken them out. <laughs> um, currently, they don't. Orthodox churches don't have pews. You stand for the entire service. Um, I guess there might be like a bench in the corner, but no Orthodox churches whatsoever, or just like Russian and Greek Orthodox. And... Um, I'm only familiar with Russian and Greek. Okay, but neither of those have pews in them. You stand mm-hmm. for the service. So, um, I was like, that's not true. <laughs> but then I was also like, Evelyn Sky claims to know things about. Imperial Russia. She claims. claims to have a degree from Stanford. <laughs> I'm sure Russian. she. I'm sure so, she knows way more than me. I don't know. I'm sure she knows way more than me. But I'm a religion major, so I was like, religion. I can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So the point is, we think we we think we might know. We think we may have pointed out an error, but possibly someone could come back and tell us that's not at all true. All, also, that's there fine. could be like a bench in the corner. Like I don't think there is like devoid of seating Maybe entirely. A chair. I don't know. Right. Probably not. <laughs> Uh, because they were not invented but, yet. Um, anyway, it's possible. You can write us an email if that's finish good. Finish. Uh, I went thing I wanted to say. Really what are you doing? Sorry, I accidentally dropped that on my computer and I made a noise saying that you can't just push that button if you want. To. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> quick note about the cover for this book. So I wasn't like I I liked the book, but I wasn't thrilled at the beginning starting out. I kind of wasn't sure I was gonna like it. Part of the reason was the cover. Okay. Which the cover on the front, it's it's, it's like crown. white and gray, the background, and the front is like a crown, and it's made out of, I'm sure it's the same structure, but I don't know if it is. It's no, done. it totally is, because is in, the, in the... Is cathedral? No. No, because that's the one that has the several... You guys can't see what we're talking about. It, it's very Russian. It has domes. Those, like, <laughs> domes. It's a famous look. Russian thing structure with domes and You're gold welcome. and stylized in the in the shape of a crown and in her author's note she talks about it so she had some sort of control over the cover um and this is and she mentions that it wasn't historically accurate um because that building was built later than the book but it mm. looked good on the cover she says it in her author's note yeah um i kind of i really felt like the cover is a misstep right michelle i did as well okay, it doesn't okay. look like the traditional YA cover, not that it, it has to. Almost like the cover. Well, what what really threw me was that it looks, it bears more similarities to the cover of like John Grisham or like Hustler, like any of those those like old men who write right. books. Um, it has a very like adult book cover. I would and say. not adult literary fiction, you no. know. And so I yeah I really Which didn't feel like the the castle-y thing. The structure on the cover is pretty. Mm-hmm. As a structure, I felt as a cover, it didn't work. The colors and stuff, and especially because it's so similar, it could definitely play into. And part of this is like 
this is a problem when YA covers just copy the same covers over and over again to try and like play on the popularity of Twilight or whatever. So well, let's stick it out. Like, exactly. Um, that's definitely a problem for sure. But um, this really could have actually stolen a little bit very effectively, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it would have had more like shelf appeal and would probably. Which is. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Better sales. Actually, I have no idea. Which is unfortunate because this seems like the kind of book that would do well in the YA genre. Yeah. We liked it. Why wouldn't other people? We liked it. And so we are, we're the, we're the last word in YA. The first and the last. Mm-hmm. Or all the words. First, last, and only. So. All right. We're going to quickly do our usual ending stuff. So we're going to rate and give you a recommendation. Really, really quick. So we're rating this on a scale of Game of Thrones. Paige and I have not That's seen right. Game of Thrones. Yeah, Quite okay, so we haven't read it. We haven't seen it. But here's what we know from the gifts we've seen on the internet, basically. Pretty much stuff on Twitter. Twitter, yeah, jokes people make. So we're rating yeah. this on a scale. The top point being a scale. So this is on a scale of Joffrey. That's the bottom to, point. I said to the saying Mother the, of Dragons. I started saying top point, and then Paige came with the bottom point. Okay, yeah, that That's doesn't okay. make any sense. Joffrey to Mother of Dragons. We don't know the mother of dragons. Clear on her name. We think it starts with either a C or a D. No, I definitely. I, you're right. It starts with a D, but I don't know how to pronounce it. I could probably spell it. Anyway, anyway. So she's the top because Jaffy the she appears to be the coolest because she's dragons. On that scale, we give this book um, Arya and/or Sansa Stark, depending on who you're listening to. We don't know a lot about those characters, but those two. But those two. Yep. Cool. And if you like this book, um, we recommended a book previously on. What podcast was that? Pretty recently, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, what was another was magic key book we read? Was it on Great and Terrible? Probably. Yeah. I think we recommended for Great and Terrible Beauty. Um, we recommended one of my favorite books ever, I call it Gymnastics. So I also recommend that book for this, not only for the magic key aspect, but also because um, sort of the – I don't want to give too much away. Great. But <laughs> All right, actually, let's go to our but, recommendation then. But some of the, the like the tone and some of the sort of like ending things are kind of similar. Cool. Just read it and then tell me what you think about it, how they're similar. But our actual review, because you have our, to give you something book new and real, is a book that I actually didn't like. But <laughs> so that's why we tell you, we're telling you to read it. We actually like this book. I, it wasn't a bad book. I personally didn't like it, but I know a lot of people who really who really loved it. Um, and it's a good book. So whatever. And it's similar to this. You might like it. It's called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark. It came out several, several years ago at this point. It's big. It's huge. It's that one that had a black cover with white letters and, like, a white fur and all whatever. It's distinctive. If you've seen it before, you'll remember. Um, and it's very similar. It's set in alternate England this time instead of Russia. Um, back in the day, it's so historical, but also magic mixed in in the same sense that, like, this magic is very much tied to England. Um is important. I don't remember all the details because it was a long time I read it. Um, but there's two sort of magicians in it. Um, the magic is important for England. It's tied in, in political ways, I think. Um, has some like elemental magic stuff going on. It's very interesting. Um, I think what Susanna Clark was doing in the book is super interesting. Great. Yep, that's that. Cool. Um, so we're all done. We yeah. will talk to you later. Thank you for joining us at Book Camp 2016. Hope you enjoyed this time in the wilderness. In the wilderness is with us. Um, you can write to us at smartgirlsyastacks at gmail.com. And you should look us up on Twitter and Goodreads and Instagram. Instagram. Yay. Yay. Next week, 
will either still be here or, or be at home. Yep, because it's actually getting dark out and yeah. we just finished this book. So we'll see if it gets done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to y'all later. later.